Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ay, 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 Ay. AI. Thank you, Ruth, we're for being here today. We're either super excited about AI or we're just giving up on AI because how complex or mm-hmm. how you know unnecessary it is sometimes. Who knows? Who knows what other the case is yeah. that got you down? But either way, we're so excited to have Ruth on the call today. Uh, it's middle of the week on a Wednesday. What rather will we talk about rather than AI? You know, um, thank you, Lucky, and thank you, Ruth, for joining us. Um, let's get started. Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Welcome. so Ruth, uh, you've, uh, you know, uh, I've known you for a, for a bit over five years now, and I've known Lucky for about two years now. Uh, but let's make some introduction, Ruth. Um, you know, how do you introduce yourself to people that are listening to the podcast? Yeah. So I am based in Oklahoma City. I've worked in startups for the past 10 years, anything from sales to marketing to finance. And somewhere along that way, I found a love for technology. And and the beautiful thing about technology and automation is it really brings every single department together and unifies them. So that landed me. I'm currently a director of sales operations at Motorola Solutions focusing on enterprise systems, specifically Salesforce as a platform, uh, a little bit of HubSpot and a few other sales technologies. And I'm on a mission to uh, transform systems and make them as automated as possible. Um, The core goal of what I do is trying to expedite and automate the sales process. (laughs) And lucky. Yeah, and uh, myself, I I help Asif do the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I I moonlight as a trainer. I teach cybersecurity, um, ethical hacking, and uh, I'm trying to learn more about AI. I'm one of those guys that's always loved technology and been on the bleeding edge. And the bleeding edge now is is machine language and AI and and I'm growing that knowledge and trying to help others at the same time. And what I do in teaching, and Asif was one of my students, you know, we try to help others transition or grow. And uh, there's nothing like it. And at least being able to have that support where you have one hand wash another and you don't know what it turns into. And so the relationship between Asif has grown and I and and uh, here we are on the podcast. And we've been doing this for a good six months now. So we look forward to, you know, having individuals like yourself provide and teach others, you know, what the industry is doing with AI or machine language or how the, the world is changing, you know, because of AI. And so uh, that's long winded, but hey, welcome. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, individuals, uh, we we are always focused on having a variety of guests, right? Um, and, and somebody like you. Uh, who, who well, I've spoken to you and, you know, you mentioned your uh, intake into the, uh, your feedback about AI. And um, I think it's important that we engage with as many non-AI individuals, right? As many non-AI guests. So that way we can bring that perspective into the table as we discuss, okay, what should we do about AI? How do we design an AI? How do we develop it? How do we deploy it? And how do we deploy it with some ethics behind it, if not the framework of safety and privacy behind it, right? So we want to have those inputs and feedback. And that's why we 
well, you know, our, one of our guests was, you know, top level machine learning guy for 30 some years. Um, that conversation one way, uh, because, you know, we just talked about machine learning over and over how big of, big of a fan we are of machine learning and AI. Um, but then again, we want to find more use cases in this mm-hmm. podcast. Exactly. Um, not only for the uh, uh, people that are listening, but also for you, you know, see like, you know, what sort of use cases that we might be able to introduce through some of the pain points that you have in your business, right? Um, I'm sure being in a startup for 10 years and being an enterprise level for um, in IT, IT technology and sales, you have tons of pain points to talk about. And that's what you do as a salesperson. You do identify the pain points and try to solve them, give them a solution. So, um, yeah, we want to be able to discuss these pain points and bring in these non-IT perspectives into the conversation um, so that way we can not only develop a solution to the pain points, but we develop one that is very ethical and has safety, privacy considered and baked into the product, you know? I love that. And it honestly, it's so relevant to especially sales operations as well, because um, on the front hand, I know very little about AI and machine learning. The bulk of what I know is through all of these new platforms that are coming out offering um, come get this AI to increase your sales efficiency or um, embed your data with machine learning. And um, I would love to better understand that to be more effective. Um, the challenges I've seen in startups, it, it's easier to go with a platform that is advanced with AI and machine learning. When you're in a massive Fortune 500 company, it's a little more challenging. So finding a way to embed that, um, I'm very curious to hear your all's thoughts. Yeah, I think um, you would appreciate the Elon Musk statement about machine learning. You know, he said 99% of them are BS. <laughs> and, and it's true because when you offer a solution that is based on AI, all you have to do is add a .ai at the end and everybody will say, well, there's AI behind it. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I think we have had that happen with blockchain. You know, anybody that started speaking, all of a sudden they're dropping blockchain in the conversation now conversation is important. I think mm-hmm. that happened with AI as well. And another statistic is that about in the research in Europe, they said 70% of .AI products that they have in Europe is fake. It just doesn't have any AI behind it at all. The reason they did that is for funding purposes. Mm-hmm. So investors were able to dump money into it because it was .AI. And the investors probably didn't do their due diligence to figure out, is it actually an AI? Because technology could be an AI, if you develop that technology into that level, but it doesn't necessarily start off as an AI, right? All this technology evolves into AI if you let it, if you take the proper steps. Um, and there's few steps that are missing in a lot of the AIs that we talk about today. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to demean anybody's effort to call their products an AI. Maybe they do have an effort that they're putting in for the future purposes. But in today's present time, they're probably most likely don't have that AI. They don't have that machine learning steps built into it. And I think that's very important, managing expectation of AI today so that way you're able to identify what it is that you're looking at today and how it has the potential of being an actual machine learning AI product in the future, right? Yeah. Um, not, not only just for investors, but also for uh, a, a buyer, somebody who's in a procurement office, somebody who's actually engaging uh, with AI services or AI products. 
Yeah, that that's so important, Asif. And I, I have a really good example of this and a really bad example of this. Uh, in, in sales operations, I'm constantly evaluating platforms to help streamline our sales process. And one of the challenges we had was we're receiving all of these RFP requests from partners and uh, it, it's just taking hours for sales team, sales engineering or technical support finance, legal, to go through and reply to these in a timely manner. So I started evaluating platforms and there were two different companies I narrowed it down to. Uh, Both of them offered this artificial intelligence in terms of a uh, support library of, we'll help you populate these RFPs automatically. Company A, and I won't give names here, said, yes, we do X, Y, and Z, but when it came to testing, none of that worked. Um, Company B set the stage and said, you know what? The first go around, this isn't going to work. It it takes time to build on that AI Mm -hmm. and become smarter and smarter. So so that managing expectations is enormous for companies focusing on that. Yeah. I mean, you have to train your model. It takes time to train it. And the more you train it, the you'll notice that your um, you'll start to decrease. The percentages will start to decrease when it comes to the model and recognizing and the more you train it. So um, it takes time. And that's and that's really impressive. I, I, I really it, it's hard to find really true working AI models. And so um, the second vendor really seemed like that's an honest response because you really don't know um, if if you'll be able to train the model because it's always going to depend on your data set and you know what your data looks like, how long it takes to actually make it to where it's usable. Who knows? But uh, how how did it pan out? I mean, how did that work out? Yeah, we we went with the second vendor. Uh, it was RFPIO, and they're fantastic. I mean, they're. They set the stage of what to expect, and we are um, mm-hmm. three months into using them, and it just gets smarter and smarter every day that we use it. Keyword, wow. keyword, smarter and smarter, right? Mm-hmm. Highly accurate and most confident. That's the that's the definition of how a product can be evaluated, right? It's highly accurate. It's never ninety nine percent accurate and stops learning. It's 99% accurate and then learn from that 1% of mistake. And that is an algorithm that, you know, um, um, comes into play when you see a AI develop for the last five months or five years. Now you can say, okay, compared to five years ago, good example is a Siri or Alexa. They're able to actually do more compared to what they did five years ago because they grew, Right. So, so smarter and smarter as the day goes by because they're learning from that 1% of uh, whatever mistake or whatever that unknown information that the system didn't have. All of a sudden, it's learning from that 1%. And necessarily, 1% is not the right number, but at the same time, that's how human brain works, right? We come mm-hmm. to a highly accurate, most confident decisions because we're learning from our decisions as we make those decisions. So we can continually make decisions and as we do make more decisions, we have predictability that is being built into us. So more decisions we make, our next decisions comes with the predictability because we're connecting that previous decisions with the next level of decision making. And human brains are not just making simple decisions about to procure or not to procure. 
human brain could be just that, do we open the car door or not? Or do we just stand outside the car and just look at the car? Whatever the case is, it's all decision-making. I mean, we have so many predictability built into all of these decisions that we make. Um, it's important that we become smarter and smarter. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't want to make a brain jokes here, but at the same time, you know, some people don't want to be smarter. They just want to be smarter as yesterday. <laughs> um, but the system has to. That, that's how it's able to scale and sustain itself with its performance. Um, one of the, one of the good example of system that doesn't become smarter is software. Mm -hmm. A software gives you a smart solution on day one, just like it does on day 30, but an AI software will give you a better solution on day 30, because that's how you identify what's an AI and what's not. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and if it's an actual AI, let's say, I'll give you another run around of that. Um, there's possibility that your system performed day one in certain manner and then day 30, it performed better because somehow there's some people overseas sitting there providing you with solutions that you're thinking it's an AI actually doing that work. There's a human intelligence. There's a term for it. It's a human Turk, human Turks sitting somewhere overseas, providing with all sorts of solutions that are instantaneous. Because it's 24 hours a day, they're providing all the services, uh, working day and night. Um, that's a possibility. And I've heard, I'm not going to say the names again, I heard few technologies that uses to provide answers as a chatbot, right? Um, they call it AI, but actually human beings are responding to all the chats. It's just they have a large scale human availability to you know provide the service on chat. Um, software cannot get smarter than day 30. Right. But AI should be able to. And one of the ways you know what's the difference between human intelligence that's doing it versus AI is that that AI in day 30 can explain itself how it learned what it learned from day one, day two, day three, all the way to day 30. It's able to do an analytics for you to tell you how we will project in day 300. How wow. we will be able to scale up. So it will give you a land, um, not landmarks, but a benchmark points, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to tell you like, okay, these are the sort of things I'm learning as I'm learning. Please correct me and tell me how I can improve it more for let's say day 60 and day yeah. 90, right? Mm -hmm. um, explainable, explainable AI, if you look up IBM's explainable AI or other uh, groups that are developing explainable AI, that is a must ask question when it comes to an AI product, right? Is your AI explainable, right? I understand human in the loop, that, that that could be a bad thing, but that could be also a good thing. Human in the loop is okay. Like if there's a human involved to help the AI to do the work, that's okay, but up to a level, right? Um, but explainable AI will be able to actually explain to you what sort of data, what sort of matrix, what sort of inf input and mm -hmm. information you look into in order to come to that uh, decision-making so that way you are smarter than yesterday. Yeah. I should be able to explain that. I'm going to stop right there. I know I got a little too excited when you said smarter than yesterday. No, no, no. <laughs> no, isn't that, that's believed that's called neural scaling laws, right? Uh, for the most part, if you train your AI, uh, the AI starts to develop a neural scaling method for being able to decrease the error rate. And, uh, and yep. And, you know, without getting super nerdy, you know, I, without going that direction, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity in AI and, and I think we can look at it from the creative side or we can look at it from the nerd side. You have scholars out there 
that are always, you know, scholars and writers, you know, they have a, a unique creative perspective of AI. And, you know, us nerds, we have like a realistic, uh, you know, because we have to write it and create it and make it or we have to work with it. And so a big a big thing or a lot of what we do, you know, is as is, is, is humans is we, we'd like to see, you know, we'd like to create and, and be and, and be innovative. And and so I, the way I see is there's there's a lot of opportunity for AI, but AI is just right now is just a buzzword. You know, I, I think that a lot of what we do needs to be realistic. And a lot of it is we still have to learn how to get machine learning and training these little models to become more, more AI-like, but it's a long road. And so when I hear people talk about AI, even at where I work, I work for the VA. I, I didn't mention that. That's where I, in the Department of Veteran Affairs, um, they, they, the government has an idea. They said, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out who's really using AI. You know, what are you guys doing? And they reach out to all the different agencies and say, asking them, what are you doing? And it puts them in a position to say, hey, we have AI programs. We want funding. You know, we got to figure out how to become AI. Like you, we talked about earlier, you know, people try to get funding and these programs are not really AI. They're just trying to get the funding for it. So I think we're a long way from AI, but there's certain cases where it's real. You have real inputs, outputs, you have a real uh, neural network. And that's where I get curious, like, what, what, what is that? What, where is that really working? And so a, a lot of what you're talking about, I really I'm interested in because I, I want to see how that develops over time, because to have a real AI and something competitive and something that you grew, it's I mean, that's something to not to brag about, but that's something to I, I'm in awe. I want to see it. You know, yeah. I'm the nerd. I want to I want to press the buttons and see how it works. Press the button and break it and see how it works. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, but but scholars, there's this there was this one article from and you guys have both we had conversation, you know, just um let the truth be let out that we had we talk, of course, but you guys have both been to South Korea, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. There there was a scholar, I think Kim Song. Kuhn, he was an English professor that just went to Dartmouth and he had a conversation about AI. This is an English professor now. You know, he's not he's not um, an AI scientist or a, he's not in the in the field, but he's really, you know, speaking out for AI. He's saying, you know, basically there's there's a lot of opportunity. But, you know, what do we know as humans? What do we tend to do always with 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 things that we create? We create monsters like Frankenstein, right? Yeah, something, something's going to, something, nothing good can come of what we create. And that's where I think there's like, you get into these areas like, and you, you guys, I'm not sure if we can't say names or say names. So I'm just going to stay away from the ooh. And there's, there's, there's a large percentage, like the chat bots they've created that they feel that have become, you know, sentinel. That is interesting. You know, what, what exactly did he teach it to become sentinel or did, is it just a reflection of himself? Because I think at the end of the day, all our AIs are a reflection of our data. That's right. You know, uh, they they do only what we teach them. So what it, that AI model is it just a reflection of the guy, and that's why he's so impressed by it because he's seeing himself. You know, <laughs> who knows? Um, but there's a lot. You know, I, I thought the 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 professor had some interesting things to say, and that was for the most part that we create, and what we create in some cases is not always what we plan to create. Right. You know? And so 
what is AI going to be for, for a creative, you know, a writer, a scholar, they have this picture of AI beings like Skynet. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, it's not the reality, you know, AIs, we're not there yet. And I, and I, and I'm really curious, I'm excited to see when it becomes real, you know, when we see more AI and seeing your program grow. Um, that's just an example. Those are all small examples just, and how that develops eventually is going to become a neural net and that's going to be a true AI. You know, when, when something's managing the streets, almost like, a, what was it? Um, iRobot. You guys remember iRobot? Yes. Will Smith. Will Smith I'm at the end. I'm trying to think of the movie that sounded like what you were talking about. Yeah. iRobot. <laughs> yeah. iRobot. He had, at the end, he had to take down the central net. That's kind of, that is an AI neural net. They manage, they have multiple arms, like a forest of knowledge. That's an, that's a real AI. One day we'll get there. Yeah. And that's long wind to say that, you know, at, at the end, there's, there's a lot of opportunity in AI, but we're just now on the precipice. We're like taking the first few steps up with machine language. And that's where I think we gain the most right now with, with your projects, you know, with clustering and identifying areas of opportunity using data and machine learning. That's the big opportunity now, I think. And, and that's where if, if you can, you know, you grow that in your, in our environments, I'm looking to grow that too, you know? So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you in the same boat. I'm trying to grow machine learning and trying to take advantage of it, but you're probably, you're way more ahead of me because you have a, what they call an MSP, right? A service provider helping you, the, mm -hmm. the company. I'm, I'm trying to like wire things together with my fingers. <laughs> As if and I are like talking every day, you know, trying to figure this stuff out. <laughs> but it's, it's it's fantastic that even at, at the sales level that, that your eyes are taking advantage of, of machine learning. Well, well, my experience is certainly the front end, not the back end, trying to wire things together. Um, it's important. No, you yeah. need the lucky. That I think you can go the extreme route of it's going to just become a reflection and go the iRobot route, <laughs> or it can have the opposite effect and have massive results for individuals and organizations. Mm -hmm. um, talk about the, the machine learning alone, replacing just low level decision-making mm -hmm. where you could be spending your time on more valuable things, creating more valuable things. Um, so that part of AI and machine learning is really beautiful. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if we can focus yeah. <laughs> and get there without having any consequences, um, we'll, we'll leave that to the future. <laughs> that's that repeatable, right? That low-level decision-making, that's repeatable, mm -hmm. redundant process. It's exactly. It's super important because once you build those small models, those tiny models that I call boring AI, right? AI that iRobot brings to the table is that, oh, shining thing on top of the mountain. But what's in the valley is a bunch of these small use cases that are repeatable, redundant, and some cases dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be able to do those with machine learning because if machine does it, that means it gives us more free time to do other things. Um, so you're in sales, of course, the reason you have AI is so that you don't have to do this redundant process of scheduling, making calls and scheduling those calls and or having like information data entry uh, being made by 10 fingers. You know, if a machine can do it, let the machine enter those data. Take notes in the meeting, right? Instead of me writing things down, use a transcript to capture what's being talked about in the meeting and then take that transcript and give me data entry so that way I can follow up. I can do better sales. I can 
focus more on my sales rather than doing administrative work for my sales, right? Uh, so the repeatable, redundant process, if machine can do it, let the machine do it. But those are very important because if you have multiple machine learning models and you are able to bring those models together to take over a bigger task, you will. And that's how you get to the bigger task. That's how... So let's talk about the evolution of where we're trying to get to, right? That iRobot and machine learning and Will Smith, where Will Smith is slapping the robots and robots. <laughs> Will Smith, you know, funny scenario, right? It's in my head. I'm playing it out. <laughs> but, you know, if you think about it, it's it's an evolution. Like, you know, if, if AI was anything that is real, uh, it should be called matrix manipulation. And the reason it's not called matrix manipulation is people here, they're like, Get out of the room. I have no interest in talking to you. It was a matrix manipulation, right? Uh, okay, another word is data manipulation. But matrix manipulation has been around for a long time. So has AI, because AI as a term has been used multiple times uh, since 1950s where, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm Alan Turing. Alan Turing brought up AI a few times, and that's how it got popularized, because we actually beat the German in World War II using some of the encryption that is, uh, uh, you know, translating this encryption, sort of like what we to use today for artificial intelligence purposes, right? These technology has been around for so long that we label them in so many ways, so many times that in, in translation, things are getting lost, right? So some people call it the matrix manipulation. Somebody calls it data manipulations. Now they're like, oh, so it's the AI and robot that's taking over people's job. Well, not really. It's still always been the same thing. It's data that's being crunched by a system, and the system is able to provide an insight that we didn't have before. Yes. So if you go back to that 70 years ago when Alan Turing was cracking the codes in German, you know, he was finding out where the ship routes are, where the cars are. I mean, cars, my bad. Vehicles that are in combat, where where are they located at? Mm -hmm. Where the ships are at? Where the attacks are coming from, right? This is sort of like data manipulation that they did in order to find insights and information. Yeah. So now you keep finding insights and information. You have to take an action. And those actions is those little machine learning models that you build, mm -hmm. right? So there's a steps into all this process. So even though it's been around for 70 years and your organization wants to start with AI today, they have to go through that whole process all over again. You have to yeah. figure out, okay, where's your data? How do you manipulate those data, which is ma manipulating those data to give you insights? So you're doing data analytics to figure out, look, okay, mm -hmm. this guy sells more than this guy, but they're actually same level talented. How come this guy doesn't do that much sales? Okay, what's going on? Show me that outlier. Show me that anomaly that tells me yeah. why this person is not selling as much, right? Um, so that those little data analytics turns into machine learning. And the point we're in today with all of the data that we have available, all the ways we collect data, is that we're, we're, we're ready to evolve away from data analytics and predictive analytics into machine learning, mm -hmm. which is to let the system pick up some of the tasks using the same data that we've been collecting for the system, right? So your second vendor who explained to you that, hey, it will take some time, is the reason that they will have to find those data that is specific to your business process Right? Their business processes will sell you a platform, but your business process has data that they don't have. So they will bring in their algorithms to your house and then, or your organization, and then let the data work itself out. And over time, the algorithms will learn how to manipulate the data that you have, either it's dirty data or clean data, structured or unstructured, however you label it. Um, it goes to a time period where it says, like, you know, teach me, right? 
I will give you high accuracy over time, but I will start with lots of high errors, mm -hmm. right? And as you decrease those errors, your accuracy becomes higher. And now you're able to say, look, I sell this product and I need you to schedule my product this way, right? So when I speak to people, I have all these formulas behind it that a simple coding cannot do, mm -hmm. right? We have done coding and programming for a long, long time. We'll still use that, but we add data on top of that and use algorithms to figure out, okay, every time me and Ruth talk, um, on the Zoom call or these um, web video calls, this is an unstructured data. How can an AI capture that and turn that transcript into something usable for the future? So that way, as me and Ruth are discussing, Ruth as a salesperson will be able to follow up with me and not confuse me by you know not having the right information because Ruth has to never take notes. <laughs> AI does the note taking. AI transcribes it. And then AI gives a formula of saying, okay, this thief would like to be contacted at this time this month, right? Because Ruth asked me that question, and but ne Ruth never followed up with me. doesn't have to. Because if, if I'm correct, Ruth, you know, Tell me like about four hours out of eight hours a salesperson works. They do about 50% of that eight hours uh, on admin work, right? Yes. They're not actually making yeah. phone calls and actually engaging, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes. So if you're engaging, let's say, 30 minutes every hour and not even doing admin work, how relaxed would a salesperson be for the whole eight hours and your ability to retain that salesperson because he's not looking to go somewhere else for a better experience? It'll be a, like a least stressed salesperson that's doing more phone calls throughout the day, more engagement, and least amount of admin work. Because yeah. he's busy and improving his sales skills rather mm -hmm. than to say, I need to figure out how to do better KPIs for my manager. Yes. I'll stop right there. I know I went in kind of in a... No, no huge <laughs> benefits, not only for the sales rep, but for their team, for the company, the yeah. increased productivity, the increased amount of sales or time to sell. It's huge. So I absolutely agree on that front. Um, I'm curious, do you think we will ever get to a state with AI and machine learning where vendors who offer these with their products can um, have it work immediately instead of having to wait for longer results? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because the data sets that uh, we don't have currently available Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, who's going to be successful? The people that are doing AI today, not somebody who started AI five years from now. Because for mm -hmm. the next five years, this company that you're working with right now, they have you as a customer. They have 500 other customers. So now they have 501 different data set from, yeah. let's say, five different industries. They can provide that service for the next five years and collect all the data that they need. By the way, with data privacy in mind, they're not stealing your data. They're just taking an insight from your data, which is the metadata or which is that information that they need without taking your data and say, now, if anybody wants to train their data using those 501 data set, they'll be able to train that data very fast and very quick, very rapidly. It's very possible. I think that's the whole goal mm -hmm. of getting into AI early rather than getting into AI later. I love that. Because when you have a software that you can buy off the shelf and use it the next day, that's why softwares are widely available. But five years from now, AI is going to be so highly available, just like it is available today for, say, data purposes. You don't have a data? Go knock on somebody's door. They will sell you data. They will lease you data. They will actually rent you data, right? 
it's happening already. It's just that what you're asking for right now is not possible today because that system mm-hmm. hasn't gone through that much data set yet. We yeah. have the data sets available. It's just that one system hasn't gone through all this training yet. And once it does, five years later, you'll say like, you know, I've seen that data before. Don't even bar- worry about it, Ruth. I'll figure it out. And the system is able to perform the next day without really that much of a training or assistance from you. Exactly. And that, I mean, going back to the neural scaling laws, that's, that's the basic fundamental principle that all uh, machine learning and AI uses now. And, and they learn by cycles. You know, as many times as you run it, then it slowly decreases the gap and reduces the, the, uh, the percentages of errors. But to answer your question, they've already started to kind of revolutionize that to the next level. They've gone from what they call neural scaling to this new thing that they're developing called uh, data neural pruning, where uh, we're not, and, and it's data pruning for the most part. So what it does, it takes your data and it clusters it. Any and any outliers, the algorithm cuts those outliers, called uh, called it data pruning, and they reduce the amount of time it takes to get to that same percentage. Um, and sometimes in half what they've seen now. So over time, they'll develop methods to improve that learning per- that learning curve for the AI, and it's already starting. So that you, we've kind of we're on the first iteration of what we call the neural scaling laws, and then now they're taking it a level up. And I think it's not it's just a matter of time. We've talked about this in other podcasts where. I talk about AI now, we're in the very beginning, I said that before, but I think we're about three years, two, three years before it's just common, you know, knowledge and and all the vendors, everybody's got their AI spiel and, and they've got it, you know, everybody's marketing their own AI. And the reality is being to separate who's real. Exactly. Who's real. Exactly. Who's real. Um, but yeah, they're, they, they're working on reducing that learning curve already. And there's a lot of methods to doing that. And some of it is using what they call data clustering and pattern recognition, which is two models they currently use. They're just combining them. So can we talk about that a little bit more? I, I am seeing that, uh, initial, um, where where vendors are starting to have AI and machine learning mm-hmm. in these sales calls I'm in. Mm-hmm. And it's a challenge for me to understand what should I be asking? What are those important qualifiers for yeah. that true AI or real AI? <laughs> <laughs> I I would say look um like 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 we talked about labeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, matrix manipulation, artificial intelligence, deep learning, machine learning, all these words are jumbled for like, you don't have clean data. So you're just making a bunch of things, <laughs> right? You're like hoping for those things will come reality. Mm-hmm. But in order to get to that piece, like of saying you collect the data and you clean those data up and then you structure them finely or you know, prune them so that way the algorithms can read them faster and easily, and then algorithm will provide you with an input. So if the garbage goes in, a garbage will come out, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you feed into the algorithm, that's the garbage that will come out. So if you want a clean set of performance, right? So let's say, for example, in sales, uh, you have a calendar that has AI inside of it, right? So that calendar is isolated, doesn't really talk to anything inside of your computer. But a calendar that is able to say like, you know, I I listen to everything that's going on inside of your laptop. 
which Siri does. Uh-huh. Siri and the iPhone has this technology built into it. So Siri listens to your text message, your your. I mean, of course, it's man- managing your calendar. Of course, you talk to it like, hey, do something for me. It's able to put things on the calendar for you. Uh, it's, it's checking your web browsing histories and so on and so forth. It's keeping tabs on all these things that are unique to you because you like it, right? So as, as Ruth gets into the laptop and the calendar AI is able to say like, Ruth, you just got off the Zoom call and you're able to, you know, um, you want to make an appointment for this guy because some, th- some other AI system transcribed that conversation for you with high accuracy, by the way, because a lot of the transcript doesn't really pick up on some of the words like my name is Steve. It's not Steve, it's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> But um, and and how do you how do you distinguish that? Like, well, if a system like Calendar.ai is able to perform to the level of your need, it's 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 going to it's going to have to go through that process of understanding you as a person first, right? So let's say, for example, you're buying an industry specific AI. Um, it should be able to do what it is that you do on a daily basis, which is not something specific to you, but broad in general, as in what does all the other sales teams do, mm-hmm. right? It's sales team specific. So when you buy an AI today, I would say that AI is probably good that you buy it from a sales specific AI team, right? And, and the reason that is because in current day, we have narrow AI, right? It, it focuses on narrow tasks and does narrow things with narrow specific data set. Right, as in it doesn't have data set about um, entertainment industry. It has data about sales industry. It doesn't have data about medicine. It has information about, say, food industry. Right. So, so the narrow AI is able to perform based on its uh, task and the data set it has been trained on. And if you if you are trying to verify how it works for you and if it's a true AI or not, okay. you have to ask them these type of questions. Right. Like, okay, what sort of training did you guys do? What data set did you guys use to train that system on, right? Or is it some humans that are sitting in Bangalore, India, typing away all the information I need? Because I can do that. I can do a virtual assistant that lives overseas and does all this monitoring for me and does all the work that I need without me ever pressing a key, right? Um, so, so you have to ask these questions about like, okay, what data set did you train it on? And what industry specific is it? Because... AI that works for entertainment industry, believe it or not, can work for any industry as possible because it's all data-based, right? There's mm-hmm. no industry that's sitting out there like, yeah, we don't use data. <laughs> yeah. you use data, you, you, you can build an AI. So your AI could be built for any industry possible, but mm-hmm. your data set, right, the specific data set that you train the AI on, um, you have to ask that question. What was it trained on and how does it perform and how does it scale and sustain itself over time is another point of question because if you buy it, yes, you bought it. Day one, it works fine. Day 365, it works fine. But after a while, you just realize like it did not scale up to the level it should have. At day 366, you don't even know it exists anymore. You just let it go like one of those software that you bought that you never use again, right? Um, and I think I'm, I'm giving you the high level perspective on understanding of what AI is. But the key to take away is like, is how does it sustain itself and how does it scale itself? Because just because uh, my English is falling apart, just because I bought a calendar AI does not mean it's just limited to, you know, putting things on my schedule and not realizing like I'm changing as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. My demands, my interaction with customers are changing. It's it's 
it's it's uh, you know evolving to the point that you know we're discussing different different things. I'm taking on different different roles, right? So this AI is not really collecting data and using it for smarter and smarter purposes, but it's rather sticking to the original goal that I had on day one, which is to say like put things on my calendar and just remind me what it does or yes. remind me what days do, right? Um, yes. So scalability and sustainability of that AI, I would say, would be my first question on your level. Now, if I was going in deep, then we're talking about like, all right, dude, <laughs> how can somebody poison my data? You know, how can somebody sabotage that data? Tell me about that. That's what I'll tell. I'm like, I don't care about your AI being sustainable. Tell me how can somebody poison my training data set to make it look like I'm an evil guy, yeah. right? Sabotage me with deep fakes, whatever the case is. Um, but <laughs> we'll stop right there. Now, that's a really good perspective that the scalability is important. Right now, um, I'm evaluating different platforms for a solution for customer master management, meaning we have these account records or company records across multiple systems, and they may or may not sync with each other or tie to each other. So I'm trying to find a platform that deduplicates accounts. There's a lot of different platforms out there claiming we have AI. But as soon as I get on a call, it's like, the AI mm. has matched accounts, but I have to go in and still confirm, yes, this is true or not. And there's no scalability beyond that. Um, I, I will always have to go in and confirm yes or no. So a- AI will perform very well if you feed it data from history. Yeah, right? from so history. Talking about historical yeah. records right now, right? Those are historical truth. Past decisions. Yeah. It, it will do excellent. It's just that the challenge is how do you scale it and how do you sustain it over time? Because sustaining means there's more data that needs to be fed, more training that needs to happen. And how do you train a system that sitting on your system, but it's not allowed to be trained outside of the system, right? So there's a whole lot of complexity because you don't want a system that is coming from outside to be inside of your network, right? So how it's trained is a different type of question. So when you ask a question that is like, why is your product so cheap, right? It's because they don't have much security actually built into their product, right? It's everybody to use, you know? If you get hacked, it's up to you. It's, it's your responsibility. But then again, a product is very expensive when they talk about, yeah, it's an AI, but it's also very secure. And we, of course, charge more because of that secure system. And so so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into security because, you know, me and Lucky can talk about security. And yeah. long. <laughs> but the point is... Uh, the, that ability to sustain the historical data and add new data to that is very important question as well, right? So you, you brought up historical accounts that you have. Those historical data will make an AI do all sorts of uh, jumping jacks. At the end, it will just get tired at the end of the day and never do a work for the rest of its existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, just, okay, so we're talking about machine learning and AI, but you said something that's outside of that a little bit with the deduplication, because I know, I know that um, AWS, uh, uh, Amazon, um, they have a deduplication um, process API for compressing storage da- stored data. Mm-hmm. to reduce the cost and the overhead of um, storing duplicate data in the cloud. So I know AWS already has an algorithm for deduplication of database um, uh, tables. And 
I don't think that's a stretch to have them apply that API to something that you're not going to store. You're just going to use. Ooh. That would be interesting. <laughs> Ooh. We are getting into something very interesting topic yeah. because when you develop an AI for yourself or that AI you tailor it to your work is far better than structuring mm-hmm. your data. And I'm, I think I'm going to get a lot of pushback from people that are listening. They'll say like, no, 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 you got to structure the data. How about we fix the AI so it structures the data for you. So instead of six months, it does everything in three months or six days. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. What if the algorithm is that powerful that it can structure the data? So let's see what happens with AWS is that AWS will provide you. Again, you can lease an algorithm, you can rent an algorithm, or you can buy an algorithm. Or you can build an algorithm for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? If you build an algorithm for yourself, what that does is that it gives you a business process knowledge unlike anybody else. So the competitive edge that comes into play, and I, I am not making this up. This is happening real time. Tesla versus Ford. Ford doesn't have algorithm. Tesla does. And Tesla algorithm is bottom to top, all Tesla. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go out and buy from anybody. Right? <laughs> yeah. Tesla algorithm. BlackRock hedge fund. $11 trillion in assets versus JP Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs combined $5 trillion. Difference is BlackRock has their own AI that they built 30 years ago. It's called Aladdin, right? So the compared, comparison wow. of having your own AI that you develop for yourself is far more effective because that's your child that you are raising in-house, mm-hmm. right? And you're able to build more algorithms on top of that, unlike anything else, because it's all within your network, secured, first of all, and it's built with your business process knowledge. Rather than say, somebody thinks this is how business process goes in Motorola, I'm going to go ahead and build something for Motorola. Well, they are wrong because they don't live your life day-to-day basis, right? So when you develop an algorithm that is very built in-house or the other option is that you get an uh, um, uh, algorithm that is already working, but you tailor it to yourself. And then you do the algorithm to do all the tasks that you need to do. Because uh, when you are an organization, you don't have just sales. You know, there's other two components, right? Product development and administrative, right? Um, if you're developing an AI for sales purposes, can you develop an algorithm for administrative purposes? Product you know, product purposes like, you know, research and development or making products, manufacturing products, whatever the case is, you can do that. And I can guarantee I know about Motorola solutions. You guys have cameras that are AI, AI cameras. Uh, you have we AI do. products. All you have to do is, you know, convert that AI that you already have in-house built and start transforming it to your business process need. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's saying a lot, like who has the time to do that? But at the same time, I cannot stop talking about the fact that this is not about today. This is five years down the road. Mm-hmm. How do you become relevant like Netflix and Tesla, right? Because they built that AI system within their business process rather than saying, I'm going to push this AI into my business process. They're like, no, I'm going to build that AI and build a business process around mm-hmm. it, right? Success case, this point in uh, concept works, I think, phenomenally, right? Because once you build one single algorithm, you can build multiple other algorithms on top of that. And they're all interrelated. So they're always feeding off each other's data. And remember that if you have lots of small sets of data, you want to be building other models on top of those models, right? And that's how you build an actual artificial intelligence rather than a narrow AI, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, it can provide services to your sales team. It can work with the administration team. I mean, what is it called? Administrator team. And then your product team, right? You develop a product, administrators take care of it, and sales team sells it, right? Build it for everybody. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, and I agree with them. You know, it's, it, it's, it's tough for someone from the outside. And I, we get this all the time. Someone from the outside note that it can give you something oh, that's going to help you and, and solve all your problems. Yeah. You know, um, typically you have to grow something and then, I don't know. I mean, Salesforce is great. I know they've done a great job. And before then they're, uh, I, I, we use them and, and, and a lot of the different, actually, um, a lot of different people use Salesforce for help desk and it works great. It, it, it is, it does give you a constrained interface though. You don't ever have something that's feels like it's completely yours. You're just having to retrofit your, what you have to it. And, and, and in a lot of cases you have to change your business processes and, and the way you do business in some cases, uh, I've done the same, but at the end it does work out for you. You know, it's not, it's not a stretch. And so, um, either K either way, but I, 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 I'd be really Larry of people showing up to me right now saying they have it figured out. If they say they have it figured out, I think, you should be able to see past that. They're probably lying, you know, and it's going to cost a lot of people, you know, get, you know, putting a lot of they're donating, donating a lot of money to the effort of AI, but there's not a lot of real, you know, positive outcomes. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see true AI. Like, uh, for example, there's another vendor. Um, it's a SIM vendor. A SIM handles all events for nerds, like, like all the devices on your network, if they're up or down. So, uh, this vendor is a very popular um, uh, a sim, and they're they're claiming AI, and <laughs> and you talk to anyone that works with the vendor or anyone that, and they're they they're just claiming it. All they're really doing, they're 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 they've got some advanced machine language, and so it, there's there's a fine line between what AI is and then just they're they're trying to develop small machine language areas that that to take advantage of certain niches in the market and that's okay too but you have to really figure out is it ai or is it just a little bit of machine language just trying to fix some small gaps because the big promise of ai it's like pie in the sky right now i don't i don't see it being true <laughs> and, and what does that e on cm stand for uh it stands for security incident what event manager yeah event manager yeah, yeah. So security incident event manager and security yeah, incident so- event manager is a powerful tool because it has all sorts of data that you don't even need to worry about collecting data. Mm-hmm. It has all sorts of data. I, I love how people don't know about SIEM. Like I think Lucky brought it up at one point. It was like, bam, nobody yeah. knows about SIEM because it has all the data you need. You don't need to mm-hmm. silo your sales team away from administrative team. SIEM has all the information you need for your organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to say this uh, because I love to repeat this as a, if you have a system that you're developing for your business process, it grows over time with your business process. So a software Jenga, right? Remember software Jenga? Like, you know, you pull one out and everything else goes. Uh, I can name a few companies that has destroyed. I have many of those. <laughs> Sorry. I used to work for a company like that. <laughs> I can tell you a company that can destroy all of the organization because, you know, somebody took that out, right? There's mm-hmm. a few software ERP vendors 
if you take those ERP vendors out, all your software just goes out the window. I mean, your whole organization just failed because of one software went out. Um, <laughs> but it's important that you grow an algorithm, you grow a data structure for your business purpose for future. You want to have historical data that you've collected very well. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. But going forward in the future, you need to get away from the software Jenga that is not able to sustain itself because mm -hmm. one of the software vendor has fallen apart and had nothing to do with them, right? It's just something happened on that other software vendor. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there because the software Jenga is what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to build an mm -hmm. AI that is almost a, a digital twin of your business process. So your business process mm -hmm. relies on that AI to do the business, right? As in it's built in-house, knowing your business process, not from somebody industry specific, it's specific to your business process, you know? Yeah, I would make one more recommendation. And this is more, it gets down into the weeds, but what happens is, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't been approached by different, you know, vendors about AI, but what I would what I would lean towards is any vendor. I, I think Salesforce has their own cloud, um, or I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they have their own cloud. Um, but when it comes to like AWS and Azure, more specifically AWS, and I'm not I'm not promoting them. But what they have is they have an easy way, obviously, to move your your data to the cloud. I don't know how much of your environment is in the cloud, but they have grown the modeling for ai tremendously yep. it's just it's just an available api so even if even if you don't know anything about ai and machine learning you can start to develop just take your data drop it into azure and they have multiple environments so you can have your production different tiers your production your pre-production and your development test and they don't affect any one of them they're all separate environments and you can run as many tests on your data all day, all day, just running tests, just beating it up all day. And it's tests that you're performing at your own leisure. And you're using stuff that's already out there, already developed for forecasting, for clustering, for projections, all that stuff is there. Now, um, I know some of the stuff uh, they'll try to sell, we'll give you that data, you know, they'll do it for you, maybe. And that's maybe that's the, the big deal, the difference. But if they're working out of AWS or working out of a cloud provider, and they're promoting that angle. I would I would lean towards that angle because that's that's right. that's, that's true to the true true to the game from where I come from. You know that's definitely an advantage. You didn't have that before. You know, and and it's out there for you to be able to touch. So everyone sees it. It's not like they've developed some kind of secret sauce and they're heaping the secret. You know, the secret Coca Cola recipe, and we only have it. And this is our custom AI. You want to be able to know that other people have seen it, tested it, and it works. Mm, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is important because uh AWS that ability to have those data that you don't have already and to merge it to like this large enterprise that has all the like remember I talked about 501 data set that's Amazon right there. It's like moving into the gated community and having a neighbor that has a machine learning product. <laughs> So I love your examples. Wow. You're awesome. <laughs> you go knock on the next door and be like, you got machine learning, can I run that real quick? And that's how easy it is, right? You don't have to yeah. take all your data set, just freaking throw it out the window and plug it in and it works. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you as simple as data analytics used to be, 
it's so much simpler today because literally a bunch of files in your desktop can be uploaded to machine learning in AWS SageMaker, and it will start running analytics for you in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. And it will tell you insights that you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just went through one the other day. I'm like, wait, if I just click on that, it will just take that out because it doesn't, right? Lucky was talking about pruning, right? I was pruning in real time. Like I didn't have to wait the next day to figure out like, okay, <laughs> I'm just take that data set out. It is amazing. <laughs> well, um, it's starting to get to the end of the podcast, I think. But I did want to bring one thing up. You know, uh, again, with the creative side, have you guys seen that they've started releasing? Okay, you guys remember or have you seen the articles on Dally? Mm. Dally? Dally, um, yeah. Or Delhi, Delhi, Dolly, Delhi, depending on you. You say tomato, I say tomato. Yeah, exactly. D-E, Del E. Yeah. It's like it's like Wall E from Disney, Wall E, but right. it's, 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 wow. I guess it's taking a bite of that. But what this what this AI does is, you install it, and I and I'm gonna, well, I won't get to, I'll get to it. But it, what these AIs do is that you can give it a couple of words, and it creates art like Picasso, like Rembrandt, like, it, like it just you just say, hey, Picasso, bird, field, banana. And boom, you have art that's just unbelievable. And so recently, they had this guy that they they started this two years ago. And now, as of this year, they just released the binaries, the libraries for it and others like it, uh, mid-journey, stable diffusion. And these all these AIs do is you install them. It's a little bit of creative work, but now they have the actual, the process to do it. And you can start creating art. So this one guy did it. He's like, all right, I'm one of the first guys. I'm a, I'm a developer. And he won an art show <laughs> with his art, with AI. And a- this is the first AI art show, you know, where his guy gets the blue ribbon of the art no, show. No, no, no. The other contenders did not use AI. It was an no. art show. The guy with an AI won the art show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He there, there was he was the only guy with AI, and everybody was upset. But he yeah, said, "Hey, everybody was mad." <laughs> but he said, "Hey, you know, I was upfront. I told everybody I created this AI. The AI made the art." But I saw the third one and the second one. Yeah, I would have picked the first one anyway because AI one was much more detailed than the first, second, and third one. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's amazing, and now you can do it on your own. So uh, I'm thinking by the end of this week, I'm going to be running. Uh, probably stable diffusion, creating art. That's right. And claiming it as my own. <laughs> I hit the enter button. That's I'm, I'm an artist. <laughs> well, isn't there another artist called Dali like that creates all this weird... Salvador Dali? Salvador yeah. Dali. Yeah. So when I think about Dali, I, I just assume that they're calling it Dali because of Salvador Dali. But yeah. I, I think... I think what AI is doing with not only image, like, like if, okay, Ruth, I got to invite you to my weekly webinar that I do. So I bring up all these use cases. I talk about latest news. I talk about like what's happening. And one, one of the things that, you know, you simply can understand is that if you have a computer vision like camera, you can do AI. If you have audio system that picks up people's words and, you know, speak into it or sounds, whatever, you can do AI, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you bring those together and create a complete AI is, is just a complexity that you have to work with, right? Otherwise, it's an AI already given to you, you know? There's, there's audios like Siri and Alexa that can give you audio. Yeah. Collect audio all day long you want. 
And you can use AI technology to get those data, but how do you match them for your specific use is all the effort there is. And, and that's why I'm so excited about the organic AI that you build in-house rather than rely on somebody from outside. Mm-hmm. If somebody from outside has their own intentions, that is not yours. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I always you know, promote that and cheer for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love Go it. for so it. Start, so start investing in headcount that builds our own AI is what I'm hearing. <laughs> do, do all the things that are starting today, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would because you're going to you're going to get a bunch of the guys that are trying to say that they they're they're doing stuff that in reality they're probably not and you don't want to spend any cycles um I have I have Booz Allen Hamilton wasting well I shouldn't say that working with us and we're spending a lot of cycles you know doing things that I I know in some cases we could do different but you don't want somebody telling you how to run your own business I've seen that quite a bit where they not one vendor or another but they step in and all of a sudden you're following their lead mm-hmm. and how do they know what your best intentions are except for the fact that you know you've paid them to have your best intentions and the reality is no one's going to know what you need better than you True. you know to support your organization and and that's tough to come by you know you can give requirements say look these are our requirements but there's not at the end of the day you own it you develop it you're you're more in tune with it So, uh, Ruth, what did you think of all the things that went in between me, Lucky, and you? And, you know, like, are you feeling excited or are you down by the AI? Are you like, come on, let's just give up. Uh, AI. It really does excite me about the future. I, I learned a lot from this podcast, so thank you so much for having me. Um, And honestly, it opened my eyes. I I thought we were a little bit further along with AI and machine learning, or at least I had hoped with how many vendors I'm seeing that are starting to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Um, On one hand, it certainly is still a buzzword and a lot of companies aren't doing it, um, but I'm seeing more and more of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited for what the next three to five years looks like from the vendor perspective and that true Mm -hmm. AI perspective. Well, uh, Lucky, I know you are excited and I hear Ruth is excited and you know me, I've, I've been always like that, that, that guy that fell in love with AI as soon as the day, as soon as the day I learned what data is, you know, <laughs> um, uh, thank you so much, Ruth. Thank you yes, so much thank for, you. for giving me that lift mm-hmm. and boost that I needed in the middle of the week until I get to Friday and, you know, have my weekend, um, until then. <laughs> Definitely. Ay, 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 ay. I'm going to let you win that one. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs>